0: So, as you see, I want to spend a little time this morning on the thought of watchman, what of the night? And I'm taking for our text Isaiah 21, verse 6. For thus hath the Lord said unto me, Go set a watchman, let him declare what he seeth. And you know, it's important here that we, we notice that what we've underlined. Because a watchman was called. He wasn't called as something that could be ascetic on the walls of Jerusalem or the cities of Israel. It was a necessity. And he was called to declare what he's seen. He wasn't called to give his opinion. He was called to declare what he sees. And he was to boldly declare what the Lord was doing I was going to do. You know, in ancient times, watchmen, they used a watchtower, something like this one. In fact, this one apparently is still in use today in the hill country around central Israel. These watchtowers were erected to watch and to warn of approaching danger. The prophet Ezekiel, he was told in Ezekiel 3 and 17. The son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. And so again, we see this declaration he has to make. This is from God. Hear a word from my mouth. This is God. This is people need to recognize that this is God talking to them. And this is indeed a warning. And Ezekiel was told to say what I tell you to say. Don't flour it up. Don't cut it a bit. Be bold and declare what words will come from my mouth. And you see, if you go to Ezekiel 33 and 7, this is repeated and it shows us an emphasis. For this sets the stage for his ministry as a prophet, to the divided houses of Judah and Israel. And so the role of a watchman to an ancient city was extremely important. And God used the role of a watchman and he used the role to warn and to teach. And these warnings that were coming from God, they weren't with uh, you know, a, a, a disciplinary thing that God was not pleased, it was a warning to turn to him. It was a warning to bring the people back to God. This wasn't a warning that, you know, something like God is just going to destroy you no matter what happens. This was a, you could nearly say this was a plea from God to turn from your ways, and and there's many things you can go into here, but to turn from your idols, to turn from your idolatry, to turn from your adultery, and turn back to the Lord. And, you know, when we think of the role of a watchman, we ask, what does it mean for the work of God today? Because as this world draws near to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, this King of Kings and Lord of Lords, I believe it is vital for the church to understand the role of a watchman. As the world gets darker and darker, and Satan, who knows his days are numbered, as we see in 1 Peter 5 and 8, is going about as a roaring lion. For he says, be sober, be vigilant, because you're adverse. You see, we have an enemy, church. We talk about our enemy being the world. We have our earth enemy as the devil. And he's trying, as we see there, he's, uh, as a roaring lion, he's walking about seeking whom he may devour. Seeking whom he may devour. And therefore, the rule I believe, for the church today is to be God's watchmen. God's watchmen. And to declare, even to declare the warnings from God. But to declare them in a way that people will see when they turn to God, there'll be more peace in their life, there'll be more joy in their life, and there will actually be a future for them. These warnings came in many different ways in in the Bible. When the crops were ripening towards harvest, men would stand watch guarding the fields from animals or from thieves who would take away their crops. Such was their dependency on the harvest for the rest of the year. And with the community's basic food stores at stake, the watchman's role was critical to the village or to the townspeople. It was critical for them that, that if someone was coming to destroy their livelihood, their crops, then someone would have seen them coming and they would have called out to the people of the city. We also find several references in Scripture to a watchman on the city walls in times of stress to survey the scene outside the fortification, to warn of an oncoming enemy. We're told that during the night, this would have more than likely been a soldier and the captain of the guard or sergeant of the guard, he would have went round every so often and he would have called out, Watchman, what of the night? And the watchman would have said, all is clear, or whatever way he would have answered that. It was his job to see if an enemy came to warn people, to get the gates closed, to bring those soldiers lying in wait out. So it was a vital role. And again, if it was something simple like watching over their crops, they would have called the men of the city should there have been any threat, and they would have went and met that threat. So it was a very important role. And these watchmen were situated on a spot from which they could monitor the approaches to the town. If a threat appeared, as I said, they would sound a warning and the gates would shut and people would prepare for battle. So there was never a time when there was no watchman because we need to understand, just as it is today, God's church, God's people were constantly under attack because they are the people of God. Satan was trying to get at them through their enemies, through their own sinful natures. So there was never a time when there was no watchman. There was never a time, and even today more so, a time when a watchman was not needed. God's people always had to be on guard, always had to be ready for whatever was going to happen. We can imagine the watchman standing in his vigil at other times, observing the daily life of the city. He could see much of the activity in the streets, and the markets. He knew the people. He knew the work that they did. He knew their habits. He knew their lifestyles. And in his position near the city gate, he could also observe the business of the city, which the city transacted by its officials. And this was an important role, and no wonder God uses this role to illustrate the job, uh, uh, well, the job of prophets, but I would also say the job given to his people because we are watchmen and we are observing our cities daily. We are observing our local areas daily. We're observing people that we know. And these watchmen could have commented on society's behavior as well as deliver messages of warning and instruction. And we can see what's going on. And God is calling us to be watchmen and to warn people and to bring them before the Lord. Certainly, yes, prophets were sent as watchmen. That was a specific call from God. And in the Old Testament, the prophets, they help us understand the full meaning of the symbolism of a watchman. You know, there may be more in this than we really have noticed before as we've just glanced past this, this particular verse. If you go back there to uh, Ezekiel 3.17, "'Son of man, I have made you a watchman "'for the house of Israel.'" Church, you as an individual have been made a watchman for the Lord. In your area that you live, in the business that you work, in the school or the university or the college that you attend, you are God's watchman. You have been ordained or called by God to be his watchman. And because God has called us to be his watchmen, and use that generically, Watch women too. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth. We need to seek God to hear from God. As we look at what's going on in society, we need to listen to God. As God reveals these things to us, he's not revealing things to us that our enemy is doing to show how strong our enemy is. He's revealing things that our enemy is doing so that we can counteract it, so that we can stand against it, so that we can declare Good is good and evil is evil. So we are called as watchmen, church. We are to hear the words of God. And when we hear the words of God, church, we have to give warning. We have to give warning. Because this warning isn't from me as an individual. It isn't from you as an individual. This is a warning from God that what you're doing is destroying your life. The way society is living is destroying the lives of the young and of the old. It's God's message. A word directly from the Lord. And we need to proclaim it. You can go to many places where they'll not proclaim God's word. They'll tell people how wonderful they are. and How good they are. Just watching uh, I'll be politically correct here. A television evangelist in his church. And a Apparently, they do this all the time. I've only ever watched it once. As soon as he comes out to preach, they all repeat what he says You know, I am strong. I am wonderful. I am this. I am that. And I thought about Paul from a reading this morning Oh, wretched man that I am. I thought about Paul saying, In weakness, God told him, In weakness, my strength is perfected. We need to declare, people, that you depend on God. Yes, you can be strong. In the Lord, as long as you declare that, I am strong in the Lord. I am powerful in the Lord through prayer. I can defeat enemies in the Lord, not by myself. It's God's message giving to people today in this individualistic society we live in. They have no life, they have sadness, they have no hope trying to find some kind of identity. But yet their identity was set by God. We need to warn people. And again, it's not a warning of we're beating them with a rod of iron. It's a warning that what they're doing is harming them, but we have an answer. And that answer is Almighty God. He'll bring peace in their lives. This wasn't Ezekiel's message. This wasn't Ezekiel's imagination or any other prophet's message. It was always God delivering his word through human instruments. The warning comes from God in language phrased to fit this situation and designated to bring people to repentance. That's why Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Do we believe that this morning? Do we declare that this morning? You see, that's not a warning, church, that's a call from God. And the gospel is powerful. And the gospel can change people's lives. We may try to sit down and reason with people. Use a bit of modern day philosophy, modern day psychology. But you know something? It's when we preach the word of God, when we preach the gospel, it is the power of God. The gospel releases the chains which bind people's lives. We need to understand that when God speaks, we have to repeat what he says. We should keep this firmly in mind. There's, again, if we, if we go on, and Ezekiel there in 18 and 19, hopefully you can see it. I've squeezed it all in. Yeah, you can see it up there better. When I say to the wicked, this is the, 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 the prophet saying what God told him to say. When I say to the wicked you shall surely die and you give him no warning nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. Listen to this, church. But his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you have warned the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness nor from his wicked ways, he shall die in his iniquity. And listen to this but you have delivered your soul. In other words, you have planted that seed, and if people reject that seed, they will perish, but their blood is not in your hands. If you fail to declare it, you know someone, a building was burning, and you didn't tell someone, don't go in there, the building's on fire. You wouldn't do that. But then you shouldn't let people walk into a lost eternity without telling them they need Jesus. 90% of the time, let's get reality here, you'll be rejected. But you told them. You told them there is a way and it's up to them, no longer up to you. You see, the prophet had a duty to deliver this message. Unless the citizen, in this particular instance, unless the citizens of Israel and Judah acknowledged their sins and turned from them, repented and began again to obey God's law, then they were being told, you will die in your sins. This was the warning. And you know, regardless of how individuals responded to the warning, if they heard the message, the prophet had done his job and was no longer responsible. And you think of it to mean the, the, the prophets, particularly in the Old Testament, they died horrendous deaths. One of them was sawn and a half. I'm not going to go into it in any detail. And you know why? Because they refused to compromise. That when God told them to go and tell Ahaz, to go and tell Jehoshaphat, go and tell the children of Judah, go and tell the... And it was a difficult message, but they told them. And they were not popular for it. If you want to be popular, then don't declare the word of God because it's not popular in society today. Only if the prophet did not deliver the admonition, therefore he would be judged along with the wicked. Again, without reading it, it goes quite long, we'll stay in Ezekiel 3. And it says, if a righteous person turned to sin, he would suffer the penalty. But the prophet would also be held liable for not giving him instruction. In other words, not saying to them, you're against the word of God. You need to repent from your sins. The prophet would be held liable if he didn't warn him. If the prophet gave adequate warning, instruction, and positive teaching, the righteous could understand the consequences of turning from their right path. So they would turn back from what they were doing. And this could help motivate them to stay firm in the faith, a choice that would vindicate the prophet's word. And so whenever you declare the gospel, and if they make the right choice, then you vindicate the word from God. If they make the wrong choice, then they will suffer in their sin. But you have told them. You see, you get the sense here that a part of the prophet's message was showing the people how to live and maintain their faith. It's not just a persuasive message focused only on pointing out their problems. The goal from a prophet was to get the people to turn back to the Word of God. Then the message must also show the benefits of doing so. See, if we're going to tell people they're sinners, we can't leave it there. If we know someone, for example, who's committing adultery, You can't go to them and say, you're committing adultery and you're going to die. You're going to die in your sins. You're destroying your life. You're destroying your relationships. You're destroying your, we can point all that out. But we can't leave it there. But we can say to them, but the mercy of God is here for you today to turn from your sins. When you genuinely repent, when you genuinely say, I have done wrong, then you will receive that forgiveness. Man will want judgment. Man will give you condemnation. But Jesus is here today to bring you back into his fold, back into his kingdom. You see, we've got to show people the benefits of following God. A lot of books I've read and people have listened to and they talk about the consequences of our sins. And lo, I don't agree with them. You're heading to hell to burn for eternity. That's all they'll say. But you know what? God is telling them to tell them the benefits of following the Lord. Particularly in these latter days. When we can enter into an eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to show people the positive, better way of life that God desires his people to live. So we asked, was Ezekiel's message delivered? Did Ezekiel deliver his warning to Israel? Well, consider this. Ezekiel was among the captives from the nation of Judah taken to Babylon during the first siege in uh, 597 BC. He was a contemporary of Daniel. and the nation of Israel, the northern 10-tribe kingdom had been taken away captive into Assyria and Media more than 120 years earlier. The house of Israel was to hear the message but their sin had already caused them to go into captivity. So they had already been punished. And it leaves us with a question. Therefore, is there to be a future fulfillment of this prophecy? Is there to be a future fulfillment of this prophecy? Was it intended as a warning to the modern descendants of the house of Israel here in the Isles of the Sea? Was this a warning for the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of the future fulfillment of this prophecy? The house of Israel who are are going to live in different lands at a future time? I believe the answer is yes. It is a warning. Because we are still God's people. And as a nation, we still have turned our back on God. However, the explanation requires more detail than we can cover this morning. So therefore, the question is, when would these prophecies apply to Israel? When would they be delivered? Well, again, Ezekiel was among the Jewish captives in Babylon. We have no indication he went to the northern tribes of Israel in his day because at that time, they were, they were migrating northwest from Assyria and Media, uh, uh, Assyria and Media to, the, to the place that God has set for them. And so they, he didn't travel to give them this message. Therefore, for me, the answer must be that God's message has a direct Application to the modern descendants of these ancient peoples, of these lost ten tribes, the so called lost ten tribes of Israel. What, will we, what does the watchman say, therefore? Well, if we look closer at what he is to do by bringing in what Isaiah tells us about those who would preach the gospel of peace, it's our role as watchmen, as watchwomen. It's our role that we don't limit to speaking only about the sins and problems of society. See, he was charged, as I've said, with proclaiming the good news. I think we used to sing this as one of our choruses, but I think this is beautiful. Isaiah 52, 7 and 8. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of them that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Thy watchmen shall lift up their voice with a voice together shall they sing for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. The Lord wants to restore his people and he's calling them and he's giving them a warning but it's a warning from someone who loves them. It's not a warning from someone who's condemning them right away no matter what they do. It's a warning if they don't repent as a nation they will suffer as a nation. They will be destroyed as a nation. Their enemies will overcome them as a nation. And so the call is to turn to God because he wants to draw his people unto himself. To Jerusalem and the land of Israel, God says a watchman will hold a vigil day and night for the peace of the people. What this means is they will seek the Lord day and night. So as watchmen, as watchwomen, we should be praying for our nation, praying that they will turn back to God praying that God will give us opportunities to declare the goodness of God, to declare the mercy of God, to declare the joy in serving the Lord. You know, there's some people, and nearly put you off going to church, wouldn't they? But we are to be a light in darkness. Remember hearing the testimony of a man I went to visit? And where he was, the, 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 I don't know whether it was a warden or whatever the person in charge of the home was, says, see men like him that put people off going to church. Because he declared the word of God, but everybody was going to burn in hell according to him. But there was no but. You know, he would talk about the wages of sin is death, and he left it there. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Church, that's the good news people need to hear today. The gift of God. Not if you turn and you pay a lot of money to your pastor. Pay a lot of money to some charity. Repent. And know the goodness and mercy of God. The watchmen were to pray. To come together and to pray, to hold a vigil and to seek the Lord. Isaiah sixty two, sixty eleven, we see the watchman's rule given to a group of people charged with a vigil to prayer for the well being of Israel. Are we seeking the Lord for the well being of our nation? These people, by their presence and their prayer, seek to keep the city from suffering and ravaging the effects of evil. And do you know something, church? This is my belief. You can disagree with me if you want. But because there's a remnant in Israel today, God has not let our enemies totally destroy us. He told Abraham, If I find ten righteous, I'll not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. <clears throat> and do you know something? There's more than ten righteous in our land today because they're blood-washed, born-again, Holy Ghost-filled Christians today. And you know something? Our land is not getting destroyed because the blessings and the protection of God is upon his people. Those who have refused to bow the need of all, those who have refused to compromise the word of God, and those who have a heart for the lost, those who have a heart for the lost, he says, watch when we understand the universal application of the gospel of the kingdom of God. We see that God will bring his kingdom to earth and will offer salvation, but not just to Israel, folks, but to all nations. We have an insight into the world and what's going to happen <clears throat> at the end of what they call this age. We know what's going to happen and we see the Bible, what the Bible said would happen, happening every day. It's another subject, but we could go on here for a while on a lot of what's going on in the world today. As watchmen, we see the dark gathering clouds on the world's horizon that spell the end of Satan's reign. As the God of this world, it will will be destroyed. We see society walking about without a curve. And not seeing these dangers. And we need to share a warning that they will hear. We need to let people know that God is sovereign and He will bring a time of judgment upon the world to prove that He alone is God. All other gods erected by people to hide His truth will be destroyed. These inanimate objects that people are praying to, these individuals that people believe are God, are lying in their graves. And with the greatest respect, our bodies are rotting away. But our God rose from the grave, amen? And he is alive, and all nations will one day understand that he is a sovereign God. We need to teach people how to find personal peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to show the true teaching of God's way to salvation. It's a message of how one can choose to escape the time of judgment which God will bring upon this world. And something we really need to watch, folks. The devil wants the churches to focus, churches' focus to be somewhere else, not on what he is doing. He wants us to focus on other things instead of focus on what Satan's doing. And so churches call as watchmen and women to declare the gospel, to help mankind turn from their wicked ways and to turn to the Lord. You know, church, uh, as watchmen, we know the word of God. And when we seek the face of the Lord, we see things happening. And it shows us that the time is near that God will return. And, you know, it's a sermon in itself what's going on in the world. But you look out there, church. I remember a couple of years ago, I did a series. I think you can still get it a desire for the United States of Europe. And I spoke of how we were going to come out of Europe and we did thank the Lord. But I also gave a warning, which I felt was from the Lord. Europe was not the main problem. Globalization is the problem. Europe was just a means to achieve the ends, which was globalization. And I can't go into it in detail, but I will sometime for you. But for yourself, look up organizations like the World Health Organization. WEF, the World Economic Forum, the IMF, the International Monetary uh, Forum or Foundation, whatever it's called. There's other ones like that. And then if you research that yourself and look at who's organizing these, they're all unelected individuals. And it might surprise you to see the same people have a say in each one of these organizations. In fact, one of these men, I'm not going to name them, one of these men, his wife, when they talked about a phrase which they invented called population control. And his wife gave £240 million to an abortion clinic. We see these things happening, this lack of respect for life itself. You know, Northern Ireland became the first country in the world to do something. And I thought about America, Russia, China, Australia. They all didn't do this. We were first. But want to know something? it's nothing to be proud of church it's something to be ashamed of we're the first country in the world where Christians are not allowed to stand outside an abortion clinic and protest you'll be arrested if you stop a young girl on her way to an abortion clinic to talk to her about the Lord you'll be arrested and fined or jailed that's nothing to be proud of folks for me it's something to be ashamed of they use the excuse uh, what was it I'll have to word this right. Health, it's a health problem. It's not a health problem. If a girl gets pregnant and her life is a threat or her body's in danger, there is plenty of help in the National Health Service. We thank God that there is. And we, we pray for these women. But for someone to get pregnant unintentionally and go to an abortion clinic, that's not a health problem, folks. And I could go on here this morning In many different ways. And this is what I mean by God's revealing these things to us. Showing us that these things, what they're trying to do. Because along with globalization will become a one one world religion. If the Lord allows them to do it. A one world religion headed by one individual. And I've said who that is before and you can agree or disagree with me. but I'm going to go on and on and on there, so I'll stop here. The point I'm trying to get across this morning is we are watchmen. We are watchwomen. We've got to come together. There's things we might agree on, there's things we might disagree on, but we're God's people. And we do agree that there's only one way to the Lord, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the things that are happening in the world, we need to warn people but not warn them that we're beating them with the Bible, but bring them to a God who loves them, a God who wants to give them a better life, a God who wants to take them from individuation to be part of his body, to be part of the body of Christ. An individual who's heading to a lost eternity to be one of those ones who will stand on that glorious day and if they're asleep, they'll rise to meet the Lord. If they're not, they'll be caught up together to meet the Lord. But they will meet the Lord. He will return and he will destroy this world. And I don't mean he's going to destroy earth. I believe God's coming back to rule and to reign on earth. Read Job 19, 26. Itself alone will tell you that. But come on, we're watchmen. Let's declare the gospel. Let's share God's word. Let's encourage people whose lives are broken. Let's restore people who maybe once walked with the Lord. Maybe through whatever they feel hurt, or they maybe were hurt, that's their decision, but whatever it was, let's bring them back to the house of the Lord. Let's go and find the the lost sheep. God wants to bless this nation. We need to pray for these islands because we're sinking deeper and deeper in sin. And thank God, I believe anyway, there's a lot of people saying enough is enough. And in Ireland, again, I'm not going to go on about it. You can see it in social media, how they're standing down there. People are beginning to say enough's enough. They're protesting against things that their government's trying to do. In England, there's major protests now in schools about this RES. And thank God, it's not, well, it is. They're trying to bring it in here. But again, we'll do that some other day. The point today is God's called you to be a watchman. And here's the thing. I've told you. (laughs) So I'm clear. Amen. But I'm talking to myself by the way as well. Let's stand in God's presence. Let's worship the Lord.